Hi Triber, we are back for the next season. Smart Girl Tribe has grown to become the UK's number one female empowerment organisation. We have an event series, a digital magazine, a membership platform and this podcast. What can you expect from us? Interviews from women all over the world who are driving change and pushing the needle forward. From actors to activists to CEOs and conflict photographers to the brains behind some of the world's largest corporations. When you're not tuned in every Wednesday at 6pm, then make sure you're chatting to fellow unapologetically ambitious women in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or sharing our ever so inspirational content on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe. Welcome back, Triber. I loved chatting to Casey Rossi in this episode. She is a business coach for female entrepreneurs residing in New York. It was awesome talking to her. It really took me back to my time in the Big Apple. And in this episode, Casey shares how you can get your idea, your business into major publications, into the press. She advises how you can become a coach as well, right from the beginning, and not just a coach, but one making six, even seven figures, and only opens up about the mindset and skills you need to harness to get there. But we start going right back to the beginning with Casey's origins. First off, I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So my origin story basically consists of really always loving business and the whole entrepreneurial world. I feel like it's something that was baked into my DNA at a very young age. Uh, and I was the town nanny from age 10 to 18, so I loved that aspect of service and really building relationships and community, and from there, um, when I was 19, I met my best friend who was also a diehard entrepreneur, and we started nine different businesses together, and they ranged everywhere from exterior house painting to, um, fine art, oil painting, um, photographic, jewelry, and lots of very diverse, different business ideas. And in fact, I joked with her that um, we were always bouncing around from like one idea to the next. And that is something too that I think that your listeners could benefit from is the fact that you need to give it time and seed it so it actually has an opportunity to thrive and flourish. And we didn't do that. I mean, you have to remember I was 19 when I first kind of entered into the professional business world. And so we had these thoughts that if it didn't happen immediately that, oh my gosh, it's a failure, it's not gonna happen. So I joked with her that on the 10th time, I was like, all right, we're going to go conventional. Can we agree that if this 10th one doesn't take off, we're going to go the conventional route? And she's like, all right, absolutely. And luckily, that idea did, and we started a gourmet foods company from the ground up, and we ran that for 17 years. So that was kind of the, the big, big introduction into um, my, my business career, so to speak. That sounds awesome. Now you're very client driven and you focus particularly on burnout. Can you share how you got into coaching and you were saying you had all of these different businesses, business ideas prior to it. So did you have many other jobs leading up to this realization if you like? Yeah, the realization of burnout being a real thing came from my experience in the gourmet foods world because we were traveling a lot. Um, at one point, we were traveling 26 weeks out of the year, constantly doing trade shows and um, you know, really going from uh, big city to big city and meeting people. And you have to remember this was kind of pre um the burst of online marketing. And so everything we did was very old school. It was like postcards and brochures and hugs and handshakes and trade shows and all of that good stuff. And so that became very exhausting. And I got adrenal fatigue and burnout um, through that 17 year stint. And it took a lot of years to really undo that and reverse it. And what I saw is that this is a really common thing with female entrepreneurs that are also solopreneurs doing it all themselves and also for women that fall into the perfectionist category that feel that they're the only ones that can do it as good or as correct or as with that same attention to detail um, that they can. So I really saw a need for that and I got into coaching when 
I went through a period of going from one certification to another after we sold our gourmet foods company. And what I saw is that women, especially those pivoting and really wanting to do something that was maybe less conventional, breaking out of the nine to five box and moving into uh, what was really going to light them up and be something that they were going to enjoy and feel like they could actually bust through that, like, either self-imposed glass ceiling or the disparity rate between wages that were available to them. And they would go to these certification programs and feel like it was their golden ticket. But then afterwards they would be like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do with this. I'm really good at my craft, whatever that would be that they studied, but they didn't have the business sales and marketing tools that they needed. So it was kind of like a combination to answer your question. It was really seeing a need in the marketplace, both in people needing that business expertise and then also being very keenly aware that burnout was becoming a a very increasingly um, high risk problem for people that were trying to do it fast, do it all and really not creating a sustainable business for themselves in the long run. I completely agree. I as well, I've suffered previously from burnout. I woke up, it was the beginning of last year and I realised I had been working 14 hour days, seven days a week for five months and I got to the point I just couldn't do it anymore. And since then, you have really achieved so much. So would you like to just sum up where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So on the heels of really creating the Gourmet Foods Company, where we hit almost multiple seven figures, we sold that in 2011. And now, um, like I said, I coach female entrepreneurs to create an abundant business for themselves. And for me personally, my client roster is full, um, which is really exciting. I get to create my hours, have that laptop lifestyle that we see all over Instagram, but it can be real. And it is real for me. Uh, I spend four to five weeks a year in Hawaii, which is super exciting. And I take my laptop right with me. So my clients don't know the difference. It's business as usual. And I really am able to integrate things that I love, like travel and hanging out with high vibe people and just having that freedom and flexibility of that independent lifestyle. So for our listeners who do really want to become coaches, life or well-being coaches, what skills do you really feel you need to harness in order to get there? Absolutely. That's such a great question, Scarlett. And I think that there's a couple of different things. One Um, You really need to be a compassionate listener to be a good coach. Um, Two, I believe that you have to be more in tune with the client's results versus your own personal agenda. And three, I believe that you need to be flexible and in tune enough to pivot for a specific client because many times people feel, especially starting out into this industry, that they need to follow an expert's blueprint in order to be quote unquote successful or have that six figure launch or that millionaire mindset or whatever it may be. And I think what's more important is being able to be flexible enough to pivot when you see a client has a specific learning style or a specific need. And I think the big caveat there is many of the needs that they have, it's not about the strategy, it's an emotional need that they need, and it's a mindset um, block that they might actually be needing help navigating through that. You obviously have so many clients now and you are an incredibly successful coach. At the very beginning when you were struggling, how did you find those clients? Did they find you or did you actively pursue them? It was a combination of both. And I think even now when I look at my roster, a lot of them come from referral. But obviously when you're first starting out, you may not have that buildup of results or that base of testimonials or social proof. So I think the biggest thing for people just cracking into coaching industry is to get out there, be visible, and be visible both online and offline. I'm a big believer of the integrated approach. So whether that's networking, um, offline, going to meetups, going to chamber of commerce events or other local events that actually dovetail in where you feel your target audience may be there. Um, And one thing that I'll say 
too, I don't know if we have a lot of introverted listeners, but I, I have a lot of clients that are introverts and they struggle with that networking piece. And I, for many years, hid behind that introvert label as well. And I think that at some point you have to make that decision that if you want that end goal, you have to bust through that label and you have to just keep practicing and showing up and carving a space for yourself because when I started doing that is when I really started to see a difference in my business. And that was really a pivotal point because for years I hid behind that label and was more comfortable behind the scenes making other people successful instead of standing in the front as a leader. So I think that that's really important. And then circling back to your original question, really being visible um, online as well. So whether that's showing up and doing Facebook Lives or creating original content in the form of podcasts or blogs, no matter how wonderful you are um, or how many certifications that you have, if people don't hear you and feel you or make that eye-to-eye contact, there's not an opportunity to build what we all know we need, which is our the no like, and trust factors, which is marketing 101. So I would say that's the biggest thing. And then, you know, just start from there. And really, you will start to grow a referral network and a client roster based on you showing up and delivering consistent, valuable content, and actually just being personable, you know, building friends. I know a lot of people put this emphasis on networking that it's drudgery and if you just look at it that it's to connect with people and be human and just have these friendships it makes it so much more enjoyable and in the end more successful because you're not going in with this agenda of what can you get but you're going in with truly wanting to connect with other people that are like you. So if you really had to sum up again when you're starting out the five almost greatest steps you need to take in order to become a successful coach, what would they necessarily be? You absolutely need drive, right? Because uh, being an entrepreneur is not passive. I think that you can build a passive income stream after you've had experience, but I definitely feel, especially in the startup stage, and kind of right through, you need to have that ambitious drive a determination that you're not going to fail, which I think also dovetails into the faith concept where you just bust through your fear, you adopt faith, you have that self-confidence that, you know, you can do this, right? And like Marie Forleo's book that just got published, Everything is Figureoutable, I think that's a great manifesto for, for all of us. And I think discipline is huge. I think that that's something that um, really helps you skyrocket much faster when you can manage your own time. And I think that that's a challenge a lot of times for a beginning solopreneur, even a seasoned solopreneur is, especially if they have a home office, it's really easy to be um, a little bit soft on the boundaries. And I think you just have to respect your endeavor just as, as much as you were punching a clock for somebody else that you're showing up and you're putting your time and energy into this separate entity that you created for yourself, I think that that just separates you head and shoulders when you can build positive routines and have that discipline to time block specifically for your company, like working on it, not working in it. Very, very important distinction. And I think above all, which is really almost kind of a number one piece and the fifth and final one that I'll share with you is mindset. Having that growth mindset is the fundamental pillar, I believe, in being a successful entrepreneur. So looking at your day-to-day now, obviously you have so many calls with your clients. Do you still do Facebook Lives and are you active on social media or was that more at the beginning that you were doing those things? I'm absolutely active. Um, I write two blogs a week pretty much consistently. I do a podcast every other week. I do a Facebook Live not only in my Women Developing Brilliance group, but I try to do consistent Facebook Lives on my Facebook page as well. Um, Really active on all platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram. That's the interesting thing because to me, success isn't one and done. You know, you really have to ride that wave of momentum. So that's super important. Even though I have a full client roster, 
these six month engagements are not going to be perpetual, right? They may, and and I probably will have a good retention rate for re-ups, but the fact of the matter is like, I'm in this for the long haul. And so I feel momentum is such a crucial piece. The other thing that is really important to me is that when someone looks at my presence, that I'm actually like walking my talk and following through on what what strategies I'm sharing with them that will help build their business, I have to lead the way in that and not just be the one that says, do this, but then when they check me out, they're like, wow, it's a ghost town. So it's like very important to me on two lines, one, to keep the momentum, and two, to keep the integrity piece of walking my talk. And for me, I don't know about you, business cards have always been so important to me. I love going to events and networking with other female entrepreneurs. Are there any tips you would give to our listeners wanting to be coaches when they start out? They obviously need a website, but other than that, what do they actively need in order to pursue this career idea that they have? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned business cards because I'm a little bit old school too. Like I love the pen and paper of like old fashioned journaling and I just, I love the aesthetics of print um, materials. In fact, I just did a um, wellness expo and had these like ginormous brochures and people are like, but isn't your stuff mostly online? I'm like, yeah, but don't I stand out with this ginormous brochure? No, (laughs) absolutely. All of those things make a difference. And I think that old always becomes new again. And I think it's a way, again, to separate yourself from the pack. Because honestly, with the updated tools, most people can get a website up and running in a week. And so it's it. There's things that we can do that make us stand out a little bit more, especially with in-person events outside of a website. And to your question, what can they do? Yes, number one, they have to have a, a high-functioning website, not just one that is like a glorified catalog, but one where they can capture leads, web visitors that have come to their website so they can continue the conversation and have an idea of what's actually working and where the engagement is. So I think that that's really important, making that very easy for the user to maybe grab a little lead packet, a little freebie that's going to give them value in exchange for their um, contact information. I think that that's a great way to first start out. And then obviously, you know, and the studies are showing that Facebook still is the leader in social media. And so having that Facebook presence, because that's going to be the thing that they go and check you out. I think it's really important for people when they're thinking about like, what do I need? For them to just marinate when they're looking for Um, a service provider, what do they do when they're looking for that person? And then try to step away. Sometimes we're so close to our own situation, but when you can step away and go, oh, okay, well, the first thing that I do is I go on their website and then I look for either their Instagram handle or their Facebook page and I check them out. And then if I really like what I see, I see if they've written any blogs or they have recent podcasts. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that I always do is I check and see, are they still relevant? right? Like are these testimonials from 2015? Is the copyright on the bottom of their website from like 2009? Like I want to make sure that whoever I align with is in it fully a hundred percent, which is going to match my energy. And so I'm always checking to make sure I see the consistency and the relevancy of actually how they're showing up. So you mentioned standing out, obviously coaching now has very much become a very popular career choice. So what advice would you have for those starting out to obviously stand out? Absolutely. I think number one is carving your own way that taps into your unique personality because no one can duplicate you. You may have some copycats when you start to gain traction, but no one can truly duplicate who you are, your message, all the filters of your life experience that brings you um, all those like golden nuggets and kind of just like frost the cake in a very unique way. So I think that that's probably one of the biggest things because especially when you're starting out, it's very easy to try to emulate the quote unquote experts or people that you admire, but it will always, always look like a diluted attempt at that 
And so it's just like when we make copies of photographs, the more that we make that copy, the end one looks grainy and it's kind of like out of focus and not super clear. I feel that it's so important to be unique and to consider yourself a thought leader and have that confidence in yourself that you can carve a very unique way and still have success, that you don't need to duplicate or be a copycat of somebody else that's had um, success or appeared success. Because like I think we've chatted before, um, Instagram and Facebook can look super glossy and we're only seeing the highlight reel. And so you're just assuming that there is success there when it could have some emptiness underneath it. So I think it's always super important to carve your own way, first of all. And I think that in that and on the same line, branding is really important. And I think a lot of new people are like, well, when I get bigger, then I'll invest in branding. But I actually think that branding is a fundamental key to creating that standout look. And again, like really, you know, if you're not on the artistic side of things, like connecting with somebody that gets the power of branding because there's psychology behind everything from colors to topography to the way that you choose um, your primary logo and all of those pieces. So I also think that when you get that um, branding kit together, it again separates it as a separate entity from you, even if it's your namesake. And there's an excitement and a pride that comes with that whole process. So talking about audience, do you feel that you really need to have one signature program and one niche audience or can it be both or can it be a lot broader? I don't necessarily feel that you need one signature program. I know that um, many experts will say that you do need that, but I'm a bigger believer of an integrated approach, a stair-stepped approach that has variable pricing so you can appeal to people that just want to dip their toe in, that want to go a little bit more. Not everybody can do it. 10 plus K one-on-one engagement. And so I think it's really great to be mindful of the different um, scenarios that your target audience may be coming to you in. So I'm a big believer of an integrated stair-step approach. I'm also an advocate of diversifying your portfolio. So you don't just offer one specific thing and almost become pigeonholed for that, but you're protected in a way that Um, just as much as if someone's investing in a stock portfolio, you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And I truly feel that for our business offerings as well. So it sets you up for sustainability. So if one is going awesome, great, but there could be a cycle to that. And if that starts to die down, it's nice to have other areas that you've been cultivating simultaneously in parallel alignment. If that makes sense. So I don't necessarily feel you need a signature program, but I'm a big believer of a narrow niche. So I think it's very, very important to not be broad, but to really hone down who your ideal client is and be so specific. And in fact, I I feel like I'm seeing more success when people even hyper niche. So it's like they can become the specialist and be so deep in their lane instead of wide trying to be everything to everyone where your message is falling flat because it's not resonating to anyone because you've tried to just hit too many people. So I'm actually really seeing a trend of success in more of a hyper niche that's even like a a narrow niche on steroids, right? I completely agree with you. And of course you'll understand that there are hundreds of coaches now and you obviously really inspire me so can I ask who inspires you are there any coaches out there who really empower you or uplift you or even mentors who you have had to turn to throughout your coaching journey oh absolutely yeah I'm a big believer of putting in the good stuff and really staying in the same track of people that inspire you definitely like I mentioned Marie Forleo she's been just kind of an icon through the business world Rachel Hollis I love her energy her enthusiasm and her like diehard approach that like girl you got this so I totally love that 
Um, I'm a big fan of personal development, so people like Brene Brown. Um, I, I love to be able to plug in and Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins really helped me with that introvert um, struggle that I had, and really that her five-second rule was really instrumental when I was afraid to press the go live button for the very first time and, and other things. So, yeah, absolutely. I continue to take bits and pieces from people that really um, I inspire that, that have gone ahead of me and that they're doing it. They continue to do it. They continue to be thought leaders. And, uh, yeah, I love it. And these people, I mean, I, again, I love Rachel Hollis, even though I'm based in the UK, I think she's incredible. And I've come across so many articles, blog posts written by her, even her um, documentary that was Amazon Prime. So I'm definitely a diehard fan of her. All of these different women have had very defining moments in their career. For example, you mentioned Mel Robbins. So have you had maybe two or three defining moments that have really helped you accelerate in your coaching career? Absolutely. I would say that my first defining moment was actually seeing something of um, a mass value come from a blank piece of paper. And that was my gourmet foods company. So to be two inexperienced girls in their kitchen and to persevere in that same path and really kind of learn on the job and be the cook chief and bottle washer and create, you know, uh, over a hundred SKUs and build an 8,000 square foot facility, you know, have 27 different employees. I think it was like pretty amazing. And during it, it just felt like it was normal, but hindsight and after, you know, it's been like, wow, that was really cool. Like, I, I you, you see it more when you reflect on it because when you're in it, you're just so in it. So I would say that would be one of my defining moments in my business career. I think a second one is when we sold that in 2011. And I actually had to figure out who I was alone because I was a part of a dynamic duo for two decades. So at that point, I really had to shift my own um, kind of mindset and it wasn't going to work if I was going to stay hidden. So that was definitely something where, like I mentioned, I had to release that label and step into my own power. And I would say the third defining moment is when I invested in myself in a high level program and got my own coach and really started realizing that if I wanted to play big, I also had to invest in ways that were not small, not the um, very beginning ways of jumping from one YouTube tutorial to the next and not the intermediate ways of a group coaching program or a mastermind. But for me, having that coach that could call me out of my blind spots, be super direct and honest and hold me accountable for mainly my mental trash, <laughs> you know, that was a huge pivoting point for me was I was like, okay, you're right. I mean, she literally in the first 10 minutes of our first coaching session, I was like, holy crap, like, what did I get myself into? Because she was so direct. And it was exactly what I needed. That sounds great. So we have spoken, obviously, about your journey, your whole business journey, not just your coaching career, which is I just find so insightful the fact that you've had these different ideas and you've really made them become something concrete but not only that but super successful so actually being in coaching we've talked a little bit about the different things that you would need in order to be successful but when it comes to carving out your audience and coming up with the logistics, for example, how much you're going to charge, what advice can you give to our listeners that they might not find elsewhere? What's the nitty gritty of choosing those prices? How do you measure your value? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good question. And I think that so many people struggle with that, the pricing piece. You nailed it right on the head that it comes down to worthiness and self-value and I think that there's a couple different things for someone very beginning you know like very new just beginning um I think that it is 
it's kind of like this unknown territory. I mean, so much so that I actually did um, a little PDF on it, which is how to choose your perfect pricing so you never have to second guess again. So happy to gift that to your listeners for sure because that breaks down a couple different areas, whether you want to specialize in online courses or coaching or even a retail product. So that's something that's definitely available. But I think that instead of pricing on a dollar-per-hour mindset, or looking at um, other competitor pricing. For me, I think it's great to focus on the results that you bring your clients and think about it in a value perspective. I think that helps you kind of like, again, carve your own way and um, stand apart from the crowd. And that takes a little time. That sometimes when, when a new person hears that, they're like, I still have no, no clue, what should I charge? Because they don't have that experience yet. So I think in the beginning, it's better to just set something and know that it's fluid. And that with experience and time and feedback and social proof from results, then you have more flexibility to um, play with. And the other thing that I want to say in regard to that, Scarlett, is it goes back to the narrowing your niche and the difference between a specialist and a generalist. And so if you are a generalist that has a broad topic with a lot of competitors and um, a wide niche, where, where what I mean to say is if you haven't done the homework to really narrow down that target audience, then the chances of you making a high wage are less. But conversely, if you've decided to become a specialist and you've taken the time to define your target audience and narrow down that niche, then your chances of being able to um, choose any rate that you want goes up tremendously. So that's something that I would definitely say there's a value in being a specialist. And when people know that you are the expert in your field and they'll know that by seeing all of your blogs and see that you're being, you know, shown on other sites that have some, some worth and value and status behind them, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, boom, that's the person that I want to go to. And your rates have a lot more fluidity and room to grow when you go in that second direction. And another big thing that contributes to success is obviously press and exposure. It's one thing that kind of when you want to take the next step, a lot of clients, uh, potential clients, they're all going to want to know who has seen you, who has reviewed you, where have you been? You know, it doesn't just take you being an author, but now being a bestseller and things like this. And you, of course, have been in the press a lot. So how do you go about that when you are starting out or even when you're in the middle of your coaching career or any kind of business and you really need that help to get that exposure and to get there? Do you have an agent or a PR firm helping you? Or in your case, did you contact magazines yourself? I did it myself, actually. And I think that for a lot of people starting out and in the middle of their journey and even beyond... I think that that's a good way to go because, you know, you're the face and you're the one that they're connecting to. And I feel that you don't have that same intimacy and connection with a PR group. Maybe when you're huge, that's a different story because you can't manage everything. You have to learn to delegate. But what I have found to be successful and also when people approach me to be guests on my podcast I'm always much more into someone that's taken the time to reach out to me personally. And so I feel like that's been really successful for me. And a couple tips for your listeners are to check out iTunes and see what other podcasts are out there that their target audience may be listening to and be able to um, kind of look at their reviews, see their ratings, maybe go to like new and noteworthy categories on iTunes and reach out to those people and say who you are, what you do, how you're helped, you know, how you help their audience. They want to give valuable information to their listeners. So make it super easy for them when you pitch them to talk about the bullet points, the takeaway or your signature talk that they're going to be excited to bring you in front of their audience. So I would definitely say you can do a lot through checking out um, complimentary Facebook groups and different podcasts on iTunes and just 
um, bringing it to them in a way that's like exciting, that you've got some valuable things to share with your audience, and also include um, a little media kit that you can put together super simply that looks professional with a headshot and your bio and a couple other places that you've been featured in. If you're new, don't worry. Just know that you can start adding to your resource library as you start getting featured. Remember to just add them to your media kit because once they start seeing that ABC wanted you and Thrive Global and this place and that place, they're going to be like, ooh, that must be a good person to chat with. And it just kind of spreads from there. The main thing is it takes momentum and just keep going. Just chip away at it and be patient. And once you start getting into the flow, you're going to start to see some nice momentum. So when you send that first email, whether it be to somebody who does have a podcast or maybe a newspaper or a magazine, do you kind of bombard them with all of the information, your headshot, links to your social media, all in that first email? Or do you just send an introduction email and then follow up with all of your information? You know, it's an interesting thing. I tend to do it not in a bombarding way. I try to be super concise in that intro email. But I do just say, if you'd like more information, here's a link to my media kit. And I just stored it all in Google. So it's all right there. Because I want to be super conscious of their time. They're really busy. I want to make sure that I'm being concise, that my email is scannable, that the headline was something that had like a curiosity hook in it so they even open it, and that my super clean link to my media kit is right there because they're going to be making these decisions in like 30 seconds. And so I want to make sure that they know that I'm professional. I've got it all together and I'm going to make it easy for them to say yes. That is great advice. So what would you say would be your subject line as well? Because obviously you've got to sum up all of your brilliance in that one subject line. So what's your go-to? Oh, that's interesting. I don't have a go-to one, but I would say like in general, um, you can talk about maybe the benefit that you could share with their audience or anytime you can invoke curiosity, that's going to be your friend. Just like when you're writing an email, if you can have a curiosity hook, people, um, you're going to create this mental itch that people have to scratch. So I would say like, you know, you don't want to be too clever or jargony. But if you can think about something that would be showing your value or invoking curiosity, that's going to get you some good open rates. That's great. Are there any other tips like that that you would like to share with our audience? In regard to the media kit and PR in in general? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that I would put a goal for yourself to reach out to five people a week because if we don't write down and map our goals then it just becomes this airy-fairy idea that sounded cool but we didn't take action on so I'm a big believer of implementing new ideas and putting them into place and putting a deadline and having a metric and I say that because I work with female people just like you and a lot of times we don't have that built-in masculine linear metric piece of the puzzle and I think it's very very important right off the bat to start integrating not being afraid of our numbers and um, I work with a lot of wellness professionals and a lot of people that are very intuitive and do healing and energy work and things like that so it's a really interesting perspective because they're much more into I'm just going to go with the flow and I'm just going to let the universe provide for me and I think that's awesome but I also think again you need an integrated approach know your numbers know your metrics and put deadlines in so I would say to start out to just put a goal for yourself if you're going to really focus on upping your PR game I would say five is a great goal you can either do that in one time block so you're in the zone you're kind of time batching a similar task that's a great way to be productive so maybe you just say you know what every Friday afternoon I'm going to be in the PR zone and I'm going to research places that I think are going to have my target audience hanging out and I'm just going to thoughtfully put together um, these five emails or these five reach outs and um, it can just go so fast in that way because most of it can be cut and paste so you can even do like a Google canned response but the one caveat I want to say to that is always in the beginning You want to address the person that you're speaking to, so make sure you have a contact information. You're not sending something that's a blanket, generic, cut and paste. And then also, it's really great if the person that you're trying to pitch to 
that you have some idea of what they actually do. Have you listened to one of their episodes? If so, which I highly recommend before you pitch them, what did you like about it? Why do you think you're a good fit for them? Why do you think that you could share something um, that's a differentiation factor than anybody else that they've had on their show? Why would they choose you? So definitely make sure to personalize your pitch. Don't just try to bang it out, but be super mindful of like, you know, this is a big thing for them to put you in front of their audience. Their reputation is on the line. They're only going to align with people that they feel 100% confident that is going to be a great match for their audience. So have all of that in your mind before you even embark on that task and mindfully do it. Put yourself a goal, chunk it down into one block, and you're going to be off to the races. One thing that I absolutely love is you have spoken a lot about goals. Now, I'm really goal-orientated as well. And one thing that I adore about Rachel Hollis is she has always said, in the morning, try and journal, write down your goals, where you see yourself going. So I'm really curious to know, as such a successful coach, what does your day-to-day look like? Absolutely. I always start my day off with meditating. I've been meditating since 1990. It's a daily thing that I do. I start my day off that way. I take usually meditation break at lunch and I end my day that way. So honestly, I don't know what I would be like without it. It's really like a a for sure thing. Um, I go in and out of journaling. I love it, but I don't necessarily always make the space for it. But when I do, I really like to connect with that I usually listen to some motivational either speaker or collection of speakers. I have some favorites on YouTube that really, if I'm getting ready in the morning, it jazzes me up. It could be Tony Robbins. It it could be anybody in that line of abundance mindset and positivity. And then through the day, I really love to listen to um, binaural beats which I feel helps reprogram our cells in a way that kind of busts through money blocks and keeps our vibrations high. If I want to be creative, I'll plug in Theta Waves in YouTube, and that will be just some very nice, subtle music in the background. So I'm a big believer of music therapy. Um, Gratitude journal, always a good thing. So it's kind of a combination, and it varies based on mood, but I generally always keep the meditation, the motivational um, beginning and the binaural beats sometime during the day. Being self-employed, obviously I completely understand as well, we often have to use our left brain, our left side of the brain and right side of the brain. Do you have specific days dedicated to when you want to be created, a creative, sorry, and then other days when you really need to think about your accounts or do you just go based on how you're feeling that day? Oh, that's such a juicy question. I would love to say that I'm so dialed in that I have it separate. <laughs> that yeah. I can just plug in and like do my writing, my creative, my editorial calendar, and then on my other days I'm, I'm doing these other things. But uh, I also do done-for-you services for my clients. So in any given day, I could be developing their website, creating a lead magnet, helping them construct their branding, coaching, you know, so it's, it, I am putting different hats on all throughout the day. So for me, it's an integrated approach. And I think that the time blocking thing has helped me. The Pomodoro method, if you're familiar with, has helped me. I try to stay at least in one category for a two hour block. So I'm not making all these transitions where I'm going to leak energy or get distracted, but it's definitely an integrated approach. Maybe one day I'll be able to just like have a full like eight hour block of time to like sip a fancy drink and write. But right now it's an integrated approach. And obviously you're so motivational and I can see like how enthusiastic you are. We all have down days and tough times. Being a coach, if you have a coaching call lined up and you're really, really not feeling it, how do you step into that mindset? Yeah, that's such a great, uh, great, great thing. And you're right. It's not all butterflies and rainbows. We're human. We're going to have these things that come up, whether it's our self-doubt gremlins or just, yeah, you're not going to feel like it. Or maybe you worked seven days and you didn't have that self-care and all of a sudden you're feeling like, ugh, Monday, which is rare. I really try to protect my energy. But if I get into that place, um, I love um, fueling my body with high antioxidants, 
um, flavonoids, chlorophyll. So I usually have a combination of different kind of natural vegan cocktails that I can shoot down that gives my brain some nice juice, literal juice. So that's very much something that helps. I eat a vegan diet anyway, but I find when I can pump myself up with like liquid micronutrients, that gives me a massive boost. Um, so number one is what you're putting in your body for fuel, just as important as what you're mentally putting in your mind. So I think that if you start to see a series of days that you're feeling like depressed or ugh, or you're just not loving it, I would say like, have um, an audit of what you're putting in. Are you listening to like heavy metal music that's going to lower your vibration? That's really important. You know, are you watching horror films? Are you watching like crap TV? Because everything we put into ourselves is going to activate ourselves and change our emotional state and our mental state. And so that's super, super important is making sure that you're putting in the good stuff, um, moving. So putting on some good, good music before your call or before your event. And, um, even the affirmations of like, I'm smart, I'm confident. People resonate with my message. Like I have value. I'm lovable just as I am. Like whatever you need to do, um, you can shift your state pretty easily based on affirmations and moving your body with some high vibe music. I completely agree. That's what I do. If I have a, on Spotify, I have a set playlist. It's actually my event tunes that I play at the Smart Girl Tribe Summit. And I have to say, if I'm ever feeling down, I just put in my headphones and just listen and have like a dance in the kitchen. I really try and get back into that positive, motivational, encouraging mindset. Now, you mentioned different like resources that you turn to and things like this and people who you really admire. So again, I'm curious to know, what are your favorite go-to books and podcasts maybe too? Yeah, go-to books and podcasts. Okay, cool. So um, I love Seth Godin. I think he's been a consistent thought leader. So I think that um, I always come away with deeply understanding the human connection more when I can plug into Seth Godin. Um, let's see. That's such a great question. I'm going to have to look at my list. I've been really plugged into my audibles lately. Um, oh, Amy Porterfield, Marketing Made Easy, Online Marketing Made Easy. She's like a classic for sure um, and definitely somebody that really walks her talk and, again, has longevity with being con a consistent content creator. Um, I really enjoy John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire. I haven't I heard of that person. Oh, okay. He's got a great energy. He's such a pro at what he does. I love the fact that he um, has branded so well his podcast that it's Entrepreneur on Fire he calls his audience Fire Nation. Every little thing that he talks about, he weaves in like Fire Nation, da 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 da. Like he has a brilliant way of recapping what the guest has said, and it makes it so easy to digest. So I love him. Um, Lewis Howe's School of Greatness is another great one. Uh, and then also, I'm, I love like even um, the YouTube channel. I'm, I really, I'm a big fan of minimalism. I think that that. Is something that is woven into my fabric, but I like Matt Diavella. I usually get a lot of um, inspiration from how he lives his life with less. I think that that's like super, super cool. As you can tell, I'm a junkie for all of this. I just think that it's really fun to plug into people that are just like doing their thing and carving their own way and being unique. No, I completely agree. Again, I'm such a believer in. It's a bit like if you have loads of fast food, you're going to feel rubbish about yourself. You really need to put in healthy stuff. And it's the same when it comes to the media you're consuming. So I'm exactly the same. I read every single day and I make sure it's uplifting and empowering and it's going to make me feel really positive. And I can honestly say, I think I gave up reality TV like 10 years ago when I realized that actually this isn't having such a great effect and this isn't helping me be who I really feel like I'm destined to be. So I'm 
them completely on the same page. Now, one thing that I did throughout season one was I sprinkled each episode with my favourite quote and I love to finish off with the most powerful quote I could find that week. So can I ask you, what's your favourite quote? That is so interesting. So right now I have these little cards here from Gabrielle Bernstein and uh, the and I take them out. I like hold the deck in my hand because she's got a whole deck of cards and I just intuitively sense which one I'm going to need. So I'm just going to read the one that I had pulled out this morning, which is in any moment I can surrender to the powerful presence of love through prayer, contemplation and stillness. I love that. I've It's such a coincidence because I actually came across her only a few days ago and I started looking into her books today and I'm definitely going to order them from Amazon because I just love everything that she's about. She's completely up there with Rachel Hollis and Tony Robbins. I'm sure I'm going to adore her just as much. Now, to, to finish off, I'm obviously going to ask what's next. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, really more of what I'm doing, more of um, getting out there. I definitely would like to build some type of local outreach in a stronger way. A lot of my work is online. I have, you know, clients in, in three different countries. And so I would love to be able to break away a little bit from massive computer work and move my body and get out there in the community and actually build something that um, is very in-person community-based to match all of this online stuff that I've been really blessed to do. Do you fancy coming to the UK? <laughs> I would love to come to the UK. Are you kidding? <laughs> I would love to see you in London and meet up with you and chat to you face-to-face. -face. I find you such an empowering woman. I really, really genuinely enjoyed talking to you. It has just flown by. I'm so happy you can be part of our podcast. Is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, well, first off, thank you so much for having me, and you are a delight. You're just as much of an inspiration to me. It's really amazing, and I was sharing with someone um, just yesterday, actually, and I, I said, despite Scarlett's massive success, she's still so humble and kind, and I, I really think that that's just something to really lift you up for because it's, it's very cool that you can just have that same down-to-earth approach despite all of your success so I just wanted to share that with you and then to leave your listeners I would say don't give up that even if it feels like it's slower of a process than you think that it should be that success is showing up and just believe in yourself put one foot in front of the other and I constantly say to my clients little by little day by day and that is how it unfolds and that's how you are going to get momentum and see the results that you desire. No, I mean, firstly, thank you so much for your kind words. That really does mean everything. I started this when I was a teenager. Again, a bit similar to yourself. I was 19 when I started Smart Girl Tribe. I was a CEO, you know, at that age. And it was very overwhelming at the time. And I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what a business proposal was. And suddenly it just slowly, slowly became this full-time fully fledged business you know I still put kisses at the end of my emails and things like this so it's just so great to have met somebody like you so thank you again not only for coming on the podcast but for your kind words for your inspiration I'm so happy to be chatting to you and I've got no doubt we're going to be chatting again sounds good maybe in London over a latte Yes, please. Oh my gosh, I've got so many cute cafes lined up that I'll take you to. That sounds like a plan. Awesome.